place where there's people making sales, change, coins, all over the ground, and this man walks into the temple. And as soon as he walks into the temple, he starts flipping tables and casting everybody out. And I read as hard as I could. I I read it over and over and over again, and I did not find that anybody disputed with his action. I never saw anything in the commentary that said, and someone stood up against Jesus and stopped him. Never saw anything about somebody striking Jesus, right? Somebody grabbing their coins and running out. It didn't sound like that was the case. It sounded like when Jesus came in and he was focused and he was upset with what was happening, everybody caught a good glimpse. I'm about to get a whooping. Jesus is getting ready to whoop me, and I don't want no parts of that. So you got to understand what was happening in the temple. And I want to I I build it this way, and I want to throw this out to you. Because what was happening is that the church people, the religious leaders, and the people in charge of the church that day, they had corrupted the power of exchange. Corrupted the power of of exchange. When, when humanity fell, when the Bible teaches us in Genesis that the human race fell and what they did was essentially they broke rules. It wasn't just rules. It was like they chose themselves over God. They chose to sustain themselves over the God. They were offered something that seemed too impossible to refuse. And really what it was is to have more knowledge and more wisdom. They were tricked and sin entered the world, but they were responsible. And from that moment when sin entered the world, the relationship between God and humanity was in trouble. But we serve a God who is not caught by surprise. He's not caught off guard when we lose our way. He's not, he's not unsure what to do. Immediately, the plan that was in place, the seal was broken open and was Operation Salvation had begun. And God, in exchange for their fig leaves, they tried to, they found out they was naked. They was like, oh my goodness, I'm naked. I'm ashamed. You know what they were thinking? We're getting ready to get a weapon. And they tried to cover it up. Well, God comes to them and says, look, these, this little fig leaf thing ain't working. I'm going to bring you a garment. Now, what's interesting is it's a garment of skin which implied that something had to die. 
there was a system of exchange that God had to teach them that something or someone is required of death for sin. And God set up this system of exchange that was really not really fair because what God was offering and what we were offering really was not the same. But God says, look, you just come to me. I'll accept your sacrifices. I'll accept your repentance and I will exchange it for you, a promise of everlasting life. And so this system, which was called the sanctuary, was set up for thousands of years. It was implemented so that the people could get right with God. But that was only part one of the plan. The real plan was going to be Jesus himself, the Lamb of God, coming to die in our place. And so when that system kicked in, when Jesus entered the world, the plan of salvation went into the second gear. And now Jesus was on his road to the cross. And what had happened over the years is that the religious leaders and those in charge of the church, they had corrupted the system of exchange. And so what they were doing was there were all these requirements of the animals that needed to be sacrificed. And what they started to change was the laws. And so you couldn't bring your sheep. You had to buy their sheep at an affordable price. And so when you came up with your sheep, they was like, um, let me see your sheep because it had to be perfect. Let me see your sheep. Um, I'm sorry, your sheep is cross-eyed. What do you mean my sheep is cross-eyed? I don't know. I was looking this way and the sheep was looking that way at the same time. Look, you need to buy my sheep. But I can't afford that. Well, you're going to have to make some payments. And so there was extortion. There was corruption. And here was the worst part about it. Because God wanted his house to be a house for all people. Don't let anyone tell you that you don't belong in the church. Don't let anyone tell you that you don't belong in God's church. You are a part of God's family. You belong in the church. And what they had done, yeah, let's go ahead and give a God a praise for that. There was a part of the temple where God had set it up to where people who were not from a church background, they were called Gentiles. And he set that particular area up so that they could access and be a part of God's kingdom too. However, all this mess with the sheep and the goats and the change and all this stuff going on, they were doing it in the Gentile court. They were doing it in the place that those who were far, who were far from God could not get to God. And it was a disrespect to what God had in mind. Can I just, for some of you, I need to just apologize to you on behalf of the church because maybe you grew up in a church where people had a whole bunch of things that were preventing you to get to God. They were like, You're, this is not good for you and you, you don't really stand up to what our standards are. And I'm just trying to tell you that New Movement is a church for the people that God wants. It's a church for the rejects, to the cast aside, to the sinners. If you are a sinner, you're in the right church. And we are building a movement that says God wants you here. And so Jesus walking in this temple that at this point, everybody was just worshiping and thought we are so great to have a temple. Jesus was seeing injustice. And he was seeing a corruption of the power 
of exchange. What God was offering was forgiveness. What God was offering was healing. What God was offering was restoration. And it was impossible to have this exchange because there were things in the way. And Jesus is upset. I want you to understand, he is upset. Don't let anybody sugarcoat this text. Jesus is upset. There's some, and here's my question. What is it that's triggering the heart of Jesus? Because we know that Jesus is the reflection of God. What you see in Jesus is what you see in his father. There's no Old Testament, New Testament God. Old Testament God is, is mean. New Testament God is nice. Because at that time, there was no New Testament. Right? Like the New Testament was being written. Jesus was upset there were people who could not get to him. There is a power in the exchange that God offers. God says, I'm going to give you something that you can't afford. I'll take your bitterness. I'll take your brokenness. I'll take your mistakes. I'll take your attitude. I will exchange it, and I will give you a tree of life. And so Jesus is upset about it. And I think there's something that we can relate to today because God wants to remove the things in your life that are keeping you from him. There are some people and some things in the courtroom of your heart that are getting and blocking your experience with Jesus and Jesus is upset about it. He does not want anything to keep you from him. As he said, he quoted that scripture, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. All people. And God wants to remove some things from my life. Can I give you some good news? Here, in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 6, verses 19 through 20. I want to show you this verse. I think I'll just read it off the screen. This is what the Bible says. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? who lives in you and who has, has given to you and is given to you by God, you do not belong to yourself. For God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. So in other words, the temple that Jesus was upset about no longer exists in a physical way. The Bible is teaching us that we are his temple, that the whole plan was for us to be in communion and in dwelling with him. The plan of salvation will be completed when Jesus comes again, because when he comes again, that means everything has been taken away. All the sin, all the death, all of it's been defeated, and we will be with in him forever. But God's desire, his heart is to fellowship with us. And so he now says, I'm looking for a place to dwell, and I want to dwell in you. But there's some people, some stuff in there that's keeping you from me. See, prayer is just connection. Prayer is just conversation. Prayer is just the ability to, to connect with God and for God to connect with you. It's not a one-sided conversation. One of my friends had this girlfriend. Oh, my goodness. I don't know how, why they were together. She would call and a brother would pick up the phone and say hello and put the phone back down. 
He wouldn't hang up. He'd just put it down and wait like 20 minutes. He'd pick up the phone. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, wow. Really? What happened? Put the, not listen to a word. Put the phone back down. Pick up the phone again. Say the same thing. Is that right? You got to be kidding me. Put the phone back down. Ten more minutes, people say, hey, you know, babe, I got to go. She's like, okay. This happened all the time. I'm like, that's a one-sided conversation. That's ridiculous. Then I got married. And my poor wife is on the other side of a one-sided conversation. (laughs) Honey, I've been thinking about something. I just see her eyes getting heavy because I'm gone for 20, 30, 40 minutes. It's not the way God wants it. God wants a two-way conversation. God has some things to say to you about your future. God has some things to say to you about your household. God has some things to say to you about your life. And he wants to share it. I thought of a few things that get in the way that I think God wants to remove, that I think we all can relate to. Here's one. Work. Work. Some of us can't stop working. Myself included. Can't stop working. Can't sleep. Thinking about work. Thinking about the next project. Thinking about the next thing. And that's one of the things I love about what we do in keeping the Sabbath day from Friday night to Saturday night. It's really a timeout. It's 24 hours to say, guess what? I'm not working. I'm not working. I'm going to, I need to rest. I need to stop. I need to listen. You know, I think if I wrote a a new scripture, I'd add, if I did a new version of the Bible, I'd say something like, Thou shall not live on coffee alone. <laughs> like, I'm just saying, like, we, are, we work too much. We do too much, and we never stop to see what God has to say for us. Some of the things that we stress about never even happen. Think about it, like, we're worried about stuff that could happen. It has not happened yet. And we're more worried about what could possibly happen to us that has not happened. And sometimes God's like, look, you need a break. Because it's the Lord who provides our ability to get wealth. It's the Lord who maybe is teaching us something with that dysfunctional coworker that you hate walking by their desk and you hate them talking to you. That's the person that God's put in your life because they need to know that God is open to their struggle and open to their pain and welcoming their issue. And sometimes you're just at a bad job because you got an assignment, but you got to rest. You got to not let work get in the way. Here's another one. Put this one on the screen. Attitude. Attitudes get in the way, don't they? I don't feel like. I'm just not going to. I just don't like. You know, there's people that you don't like, and they're the very ones that are going to bless you. Attitude in the way. You ever say hi to somebody, and they respond like, Oprah on color purple, all my life I had to fight. Like, whoa, I'm just, y'all don't know about that movie. <laughs> like, what is wrong with you? It's a wonderful day. What? What is wrong with your attitude? It's crazy how our attitudes dictate our moods dictates our day sometimes we're just we come if we do come to church we come to church and we're just I don't know where we are because I see it I'm a pastor I, I see it I see like people I don't know where I think what what movie are you watching in your brain you just 
You're just not here. Our attitudes. God's like, look, this attitude is getting in the way of exchange. You're not opening yourself up enough to the people around you, to the people God has put in your life, to the opportunities that I have to bless you. You need to open your mind. Allow me to move it. And Jesus is mad about it. He's not happy. He wants his dwelling place to be a place where he can dwell and commune with you. What about this one? Lifestyle. You don't understand, Pastor. I got to roll like this. You don't understand. I got to get this. This is, this is how, this is the way I do it, okay? This is my preference. This is how I live. This is what time I want to go to bed. This is what I want to eat. God's like, your lifestyle is, is really tainting this space that I need. There's some changes that you need to make. And you're like, no, 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 no. I can't. Whatever change it is. Don't change my lifestyle. Don't change my preferences. Don't change my heart. Don't change the way I look at people. Don't unravel what I, the perceptions I have or that's been fed from me from some social media outlet. I'm so new. Don't let me get, don't let me change my political views. Don't, don't, don't let me change my lifestyle. God's like, look, your lifestyle is getting in my way. Like I'm trying, I'm trying to get through and your lifestyle is, is keeping me out the way. Like that little, little Seahawk shuffle. I wanted to talk about that, but I don't have time. It's launch day. I do talk about Seahawks from time to time. And if you are not a Seahawks fan, we will have a baptism on, I think it's the second week of February. And you shall be converted. And when you're converted, strengthen your brothers. Okay. Here's the last one. Here's the last one. Your memories. See, some of you, you came today, and I'm so excited, but some of you haven't been anywhere like this for a long time because of a bad experience you had. Some, some of you husbands are, are paying for another brother's crimes. Because you were, see, see brothers, see, I, I saw, I said that, and you should have seen the men. You should have seen the men in here. They were, they were trying not to laugh, and they tried not to move, but I saw you. I saw you. I won't look your direction, but I saw you. I feel your pain, brother. Some of you spouses with long, pretty hair are struggling to get your husband's attention because of some memories that they won't let go expectations that they have of you that aren't realistic. It's amazing how our memories get in the way, whether they're good or they're bad. You ever see somebody who still try to wear their high school starter jacket? <laughs> like, you know what, man? Like, when I was in high school, I was the man. Like, what was the record? Because now we got Google, right? You can't lie now. What was y'all record? I took, this, I took us to state championship. Like, really? We were a private school. We only had five students, but I was the leading quarterback. Man, they got their jacket on. Like, no, man, that, that jacket does not fit you. You are at least you are at least forty to fifty pounds bigger than you were. That jacket, those were not the good old days. You were not that good. It's amazing how memories keep us, block us 
keep us from God getting through. And Jesus is upset about it. He wants to remove the barriers in your life so that he can have connection with you. I hear those coins jingling in your life. And I'm saying something is robbing you of the exchange I want to make. The way you remember it may not be the way it was. The way you're dwelling in it, there may be a different opportunity. I'll never forget when I began to reconnect with my father. I wasn't connected with my father for years and years and years and years. I'll never forget the time I was like 27 years old. I hadn't seen or talked to my dad in over 20 years. And I remember connecting with him. And I had a whole bunch of questions and, and the way I saw things and the way I felt about him. And I remember as God began to heal and mend that relationship that I began to see a different purpose I began to hear a different story because I thought you know my dad had other things to do he had another life he was doing his thing and it was interesting because I have a six-year-old son and my son and I are really close I have a special bond with him and uh, we play all the time and and talk and laugh and I remember my mom seeing me with my son and he was like you know what your dad was just like that with you I was like what She said, oh, yeah, because my dad left when I was four. And he was like, oh, man, he was just like that with you. He picked you up every day. He carried you every day. He wouldn't let you touch the ground. He played with you all the time. I don't remember that. But see, if I had lived in what I thought, I couldn't have forgiven him. I couldn't have seen it as an opportunity to now honor my father in how I raised my son. I didn't see the opportunity and the power of exchange that when I love my son, I'm loving myself. When I love him, I'm re-loving myself and I'm re-experiencing the power of healing. And now I can look at another man or another woman who doesn't have that connection. And I can tell you, you don't know what God can do. You have no idea how God can heal, how he can move, how he can restore, how he can bring back a relationship that you thought was thrown away. God can rebuild if you just let him come in and shake a few things up in your life here's what I want to close with Jesus will fight for you he's willing to fight for you look he was upset because he says I don't want anything to be in the way I don't want anything preventing them from connecting with me and I want you to understand that Jesus is willing to fight for you Jesus is coming wants to come into your heart and say watch me whip I'm getting ready to whip all this back in shape and what I love about the story is that Jesus doesn't whip people Somebody told you that God is mad at you and you got you got the wrong perspective. God's not trying to whip you. He's trying to whip the things that are whipping you. He's trying to remove the things that are destroying you. He's trying to heal you from the pain that you have. God is a giver, not a taker. So Jesus is willing to fight for you. And some of you aren't even ready for that. But Jesus is willing to help you fight for you too. He wants you to say that it's worth fighting for. 
He wants you to see that relationship that it's worth fighting for. He wants you to see that those kids are not too far gone. The kids that you wish could come to church, they will come back. Don't, it's not worth giving up yet. Some of you feel like I've wandered away from God so much. I haven't been to church for years. I don't know what I'm doing. God said, that's okay. We are removing the barrier. And I hope you understand that this church is about having people come and experience God, but it's also about us bringing God to them. Telling them, no coins in here. There's no sheep. There's no corruption. This is a place of prayer. It's a place that you can feel welcome. It's a place that you can connect. And by God's grace, we're going to build a movement that brings hope to the city and lets the city know that as long as we are here, this temple is open for you. I don't care what your sexual orientation is. I don't care what your background is. I don't care what your addictions are. This door is open for you. So I want to pray for someone today who might just need to understand today that Jesus is willing to fight for you. He's willing to fight for you. I want to ask that you would bow your heads, close your eyes. The reason we do this is because we want people who make a decision to have an opportunity that nobody's looking at them. No one's judging them. Someone's praying for you even now. And maybe in your heart you're saying, God, you know, there's some things I need you to fight. There's some battles I cannot do to fight. I need you to remove some things from my life even now. I need you to come in and cleanse out the temple. And if that's you, I just want you to do something real bold. I just want you to do something real courageous. I just want you to slip your hand in the air. If that's you, just say, God, that's me. I see your hand. God bless. Don't be ashamed. Nobody's watching. God bless. I want to pray for you. You can put your hand down. Father, I pray right now for all those who have said in their heart they need you to fight for them. I pray that they would experience your love and your power. And if there's anyone today who just needs to accept Jesus, maybe for the first time or the hundredth time, I'm going to ask that you repeat after me. And I'm going to have the whole congregation repeat so no one feels embarrassed or singled out. So if that's you and that's everyone in the room, just repeat after me. Say, Dear Jesus, come into my life I accept your love I accept your promise forgive me of my sins be the leader of my life and I'll live for you all the days of my life in Jesus name Amen